friend of mine was in the inner city and he comes from a very, if you go to Hebrews 12, 13 and 17, we'll be there in just a minute. He comes from a very uh, well-to-do area of town from Mequon and he was in, he was in the inner city trying to do a funeral and, and they were all looking at him like, oh, okay, preach, you're all this and all that. And, and he's like, look, folks, don't let the suit fool you. I was saved by grace just as you are. And he felt the whole congregation in the funeral just kind of ease back and say, all right, all right, he's not all that. He believes that God saved him too. I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful for the salvation of God. I need his grace every day. How about you? And so we're going to preach a little bit about the grace of God. And I just want to talk about uh, helping Jesus. Helping, that'll mean more to you in a little bit. Helping Jesus. That's my title today. So Hebrews 12, 13 through 17, it says, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. One translation says, let it be made whole. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Everyone say holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. How many were defiled? Many, not just the one. Many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. We've been gathered around Genesis 25, the story of Jacob and Esau, and I want to link this chapter back to that. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, what a tragedy, he was rejected. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about helping Jesus, and you may be seated. Thank you so much for being at the house of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, I have to tell you that I'm cautious about the opener of this sermon, because... How many have ever heard of fidget spinners? <laughs> Anybody got a fidget spinner in here? Don't raise your hand. Well, um, fidget spinners are everywhere. They're just absolutely everywhere. There's, there's all kinds of them. So, uh, Nate, could you help me out? Could you turn the lights off back there? Just, just shut the lights off. Now, this, there's green fidget spinners. There's red fidget spinners. And then there's fidget spinners that actually light up. <laughs> in the dark there's all kinds of fidget spinners and I was talking to somebody the other day and they said that they were at a youth worship service and worship is going on this kid's worshiping God and he's just got his fidget spinner out like this and I'm like really do we need fidget spinners in worship come on America is this where we're at I thought we I thought Jesus needed to come back when we got to Snuggies now we're to fidget spinners but these these fidget spinners come in all kinds of colors, come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. My daughter said, the one that's really cool is the ninja fidget spinner. You can turn the lights back on. Thank you. The ninja fidget spinner. And she's like, can you, can you do this? And she spins it and she does this thing. And I'm like, okay. And I try it. And well, it didn't do like that. But, and then I did it and I'm like, she's like, well, that's good. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly difficult. This is not like a sport, okay? This, is, this does not take much talent. Fidget spinning does not take much talent. I mean, what, what, is, what is behind these is like the science of giving somebody something to do whenever they have an attention deficit. And I'm not making fun of that, but really? Do we really need fidget spinners? So I'm like seeing all these kids with fidget spinners and they're talking about fidget spinners and they're telling me how they have this new fidget spinner coming. And I'm like, you have... 25 fidget spinners. Why do you need a new fidget spinner? Oh, but this one is great. It lights up or it's gray or it's green or it's, it's metallic or it's metal or it's the ninja fidget spinner. I'm like, really? So the one you have in your hand is not nearly as awesome as the one that's coming on Amazon Prime in, five, in, you know, in, in a day and a half. But the reason why it's so awesome is because it's new. And we're culturally designed in our nation and even among first world countries, I'll say it that way. We are, we are predisposed to like anything new. What is that? Oh, new phone. New phone, really? What kind of is a seven? Oh, wow. You know, it's new. 
Even if I had a, a shirt in my closet that was two years old and you walked in and went, man, that's an awesome shirt. And I haven't worn it for maybe a year and a half. And I'm like, hey, you can have it. It's new to you. So it's like, hey, it's new. We love new things. We love shiny new things. And so I think it speaks more to some other things, some things in our culture, not just the fact that it's a fidget spinner, but that it's a new thing. It's something new for something for kids to do. And then we see people that are more attracted to new things and it plays out throughout our society and then we find ourselves living in 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 the walk in our walk with God and we find ourselves walking into the kingdom of God and then we live out principles that are that are ancient and principles that are are founded in principles that are true that have lived beyond kings and culture and lived beyond uh, circumstances and they've they've tried to burn out the Bible but they couldn't they tried to to sell out the Bible but they couldn't but the the word of God is stand has stood the test of time but you can continue to stand and preach the same messages. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And people say, hey, that's great. I believe that. You say, every Easter comes around and we celebrate, hey, Jesus is risen. You're like, yeah, pastor, we get it. Jesus is risen. We've heard that message. It's not a new message, but the thing is, it can make you new even though it's not a new message. And I want to celebrate the newness of the old word of God. I want to celebrate today the power of God to help a soul. I've got a helping Jesus. Amen. I've got a helping Savior. He walks into my life and he makes it better. Amen, somebody. Sometimes that message falls on deaf ears when Jesus doesn't make it better. Oh, I don't know if I can throw this left jab right here. There's a youth pastor that I had and his youth service was kind of taking off and he had a young Buddhist lady come in and she sat on the left side in the back and preached the word of God. And you know, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled, you just fire preaching can really move a heart. And he began to preach the word of God and, and he gave an altar call and she came and she got touched by God and she converted and gave her life to God. And, and she, I don't know if she got baptized at that time or if it was later, but that's not the part of the story I want to focus on as much as she decided at that point that this is what I've been looking for. This is the real thing. I want you to know people know whenever they feel the presence of God in the house of God. They know if you spend any time with the Lord because even in the scriptures he said they said that these are the disciples, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus and they knew they were ignorant and unlearned men but the thing that made them different was they realized even with no education even with inabilities and no pedigree or any past that you would look at and say they deserve to be men of God. They looked at them and said these men have been with Jesus and she knew when she sat in that service that there was something about the move of God in that service. There was something about Jesus who walked in and she believed he was going to help her. So she went home and she told her mom, I found God. I know this is the way of my for my life. I, I felt him so strong and I felt him so powerfully. And, and her mother said, okay, you found Jesus. All right, go pack your room. You're out. We're done. You're no longer part of our family. Get your blanket, get your pillow, get whatever clothes you can get, and you're out. Goodbye. We're removing you from our family. That's not a helping Jesus. <laughs> That's not a helping Jesus, amen? When you, when you show up for youth service the next week, and you're excited because of what's happened the week before, and here comes that same girl down the aisle, and she's got two bags over her shoulder and a blanket and a pillow and says, I still want to serve Jesus, but I got kicked out of my home. I, I want to live for God, but where am I going to stay tonight? Where, where can I live? Where, where, where do you want me to live, preacher? And the preacher's like, um, are you sure about that, <laughs> that Jesus thing? You know, maybe we just not tell your mom. You just stay at home. He's like, I didn't even know what to do because everything I knew as a young preacher was God can help. God can change. God can deliver. God does great things. But now when Jesus stepped in, her whole world was turned upside down. And she, she found, they found her a place to stay and she kept on walking with God. But sometimes when we have the message of 
Jesus can help. Jesus can change. It doesn't fit the real world scenario of some of our lives where we may be struggling with something. We may be going through something. Our family life may, be, may look all good on the outside, but there's stuff back at home that we got to deal with every day. And some of you may be leaving here to go back to situations that you would not like to admit to, but they're there. They're real. They're tangible. They, they're, they're not like coming to church and celebrating and going home and it's just the same feeling all throughout the week that Jesus, that what he feels like on, on Sunday may not seem like the same Jesus on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I want to guarantee you today. I want to give you a guarantee from the word. He'll never leave you. He promised that and he'll never forsake you and I can tell you that whether it looks good or it looks bad Jesus is at work in our lives and he forever helps us move us forward I'm not saying the end scenario is going to feel right but right now may not feel good but the end of a thing the end of the matter walking with Jesus throughout life living a spirit-filled life that is a life that God will bless ultimately but we're so stuck in our culture on right now. Right now. Where's Jesus right now? Why isn't he helping me right now? He hasn't come with that job I needed yet. He hasn't showed up with that spouse I wanted yet. And when I did get one, they don't treat me right. Don't wave your hands or elbow anybody at the moment. I didn't get the stuff I wanted. I was faithful. I was, I was living for God and the uncle died or the grandparent died, why would God do this to me? I'm not feeling like he's a helping Jesus right now. And that's the scenario that we find ourselves in Hebrews chapter 12. Because when the church was started, they were celebrating. They were worshiping. They were excited. It spilled out of the upper room and everyone heard them speak with tongues. There was a great power that was exhibited in Jerusalem out of that upper room experience. And those 120 or so, because nobody seemed to take a head count, it was about 120, they found themselves spilling into the street and speaking languages they never spoke before as the Spirit of God fell on them and gave them utterance. I'm so glad God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm so glad that I know a power in a church that still believes and preaches truth. I'm grateful not only that there's truth in Jesus Christ and a church preaches a helping Jesus that I go to. I'm grateful for this place. Amen, somebody. I'm excited when I come to the house of God. I don't have to get up in the morning and go, well... Maybe it'll be good today. Even if my situation is bad right now, Jesus is still good today. Amen? Oh, I need, maybe I need to help us right there. Sometimes people will walk up to you and you're not having a very good day and, they're, and they'll be like, God is good. And, and you're like, they want you to say all the time. <laughs> you're like, sometime. <laughs> sometime it seems like he's good. But he's good all the time. Because he's working all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. And I'm thankful for that. But the Hebrew writer here is writing a passage where things have completely changed in the landscape of the church. And there's been leaders and rulers that have raised up. And they've come against the church and the Christians, the first century Christians. And now it's not all rainbows and butterflies and happiness and sunshine. Now it's not we celebrate the experience as much as we did before when it was out in the streets. People were adding to the church daily. It was a, it was a public thing. Everybody was celebrating this new thing that had happened. And now it has grown into a place where... The Christians are being persecuted and they're being killed and their, their very life is in danger and they're running for their lives. And this is where we find the text being written and he says, make straight the path for your feet lest in any way the lame be turned away. And he says, let it rather be healed or be whole. Follow peace with all men. It's going to be difficult, but follow peace with all men and holiness without, with, without that no man can see the Lord. Looking diligent lest any man fail the grace of God. How do you fail the grace of God? How is that even possible? Didn't his grace come to us? Wasn't his grace given to us? I think it's interesting that Hebrews links us all the way back to Genesis 25 and the story of Jacob and Esau. You guys know the story, little Bible background here. Jacob was a, was a hairless man who liked to cook. <laughs> Esau was a hairy hunter that liked to hunt. 
And Isaac liked the stew that his son made, that when he hunted and got game and venison, he liked it. And so he was going to give his blessing. It was a birthright. And there's all kinds of stuff that was going on. But in real time, right now, in real time, before all that took place, Esau was out in the field hunting, didn't get anything, came back, and Jacob was cooking like Jacob cooks. And Esau was hunting like Esau hunts. But Esau didn't get anything, and Jacob had a nice bowl of beans waiting. Nice bowl of lentils. Anybody ever had a lentil beans? Some of you might like them. But he had a nice bowl of lentil beans. And here's Esau. He said, I'm faint to die. I'm, I'm ready to die. What good does a birthright do to me? And so he said, okay, all right, you don't need your birthright. That's good. Make a deal with me. We'll trade. I'll give you this bowl. You give me a birthright. Seems good, right? No, not at all. It wasn't a good idea. It was a very bad idea. But right now, he wanted something. Right now, Esau had a need. And at the moment, the birthright was less valuable because right now ran over what was most important. And if we're not careful, the right nows in our life, the moments that are struggles and difficult and hard, can run right over top of the heritage of God in our life and the blessings of God and the birthright of God in our life, the places where we consecrated to God. I want to be careful that I'm not looking for something new just because I have a need in the moment. Amen, somebody. Hebrews believers were definitely under struggle. They were dealing with something very law. Very, very difficult, and I just read my notes while I was trying to talk. And so what they realized was maybe this Jesus isn't enough. Maybe this Jesus is not enough. Maybe we need to go back to the law and some of the ceremony of the tabernacle, and we need to bring some of those tabernacle things back out, and, and Jesus is good. We like Jesus. He's good, but maybe he's not enough because right now it's not helping us in this persecution. Right now... It's very hard to live for Jesus. And so they were thinking maybe they bring some of that old stuff back and just put Jesus with it. And that's the world that we live in right now in the church age that we live in is that maybe I'll keep some of my old life and then just put some of Jesus with it. Maybe Jesus is just an accessory to my life. He's just a nice purse or a nice watch. That is not the relationship that Jesus wants with his church. That is not the relationship that Jesus wants in our life. He's not to be salt and pepper, just sprinkle over to season our life he's not to be something added on to but he's supposed to be the center of everything that we do he's supposed to be every part of our life and then that he gives us life did you know that john tells us that jesus gives us grace sufficient and i i want to walk through a little bit of grace with you because these people in hebrews they're they're trying to figure out what do we do how do we help jesus help us because we're not getting out of this persecution and sometimes we try to help Jesus amen when he doesn't need help at all we do church programs and we do different things that we think will help Jesus did you you know it's kind of funny we were listening to some preaching and a preacher by the name of Scott Graham said did you know that Peter didn't have a website and they didn't have church tracking software and they didn't have a keyboard like this and they didn't have a nice drum set in a fishbowl. <laughs> they, they didn't have any of this stuff, but they had revival. Why? Because they had Jesus and they preached Jesus and Jesus crucified. Amen, somebody. Did you know that John 1.14, I'm skipping to. John 1.14 tells us that Jesus is our grace as well as our truth. Did you know that? We talk about Jesus being the truth. We say, oh, we have truth. What is truth? Truth is the word of God, right? Because Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word was made flesh. So the word of God is truth, and also he is truth. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 1.14, if you can throw that up there for me, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among them, and we beheld the glory, the glory, his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. How do you fail the grace of God? When you stop talking about Jesus and rehearsing Jesus and remembering Jesus and living in Jesus, that's how you fail the grace of God. And he says, let, let none of you 
be sure, I got to go back. He said, be sure, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. And then it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. In other words, when you fail in the grace of God, bitterness is the result. Bitterness is, and literally like the context is that, like the root of bitterness, the place where bitterness is. And, and it kind of gives you, excuse me, a context of like whenever you would have like bile in your system that would leak out and it would, it would be like a leaking place in your, in your body that would actually infect other parts of your body. And so like the, the, the root of bitterness spreads throughout the body and thereby many be defiled, not just one area, but many. So in other words, whenever you see someone who has a root of bitterness in their life, they, they can't help but talk about it and talking about it gives secondary and third offense to other people. And pretty soon, not just one person is defiled by their root of bitterness, but many people. How many have been in church long enough to have heard preaching about the root of bitterness before? You talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I hate my dad. I hate. And you're like, root of bitterness. <laughs> and you talk to somebody, they're like, oh, that friend, they betrayed me. I hate that friend. And you're like, oh, root of bitterness. And you like, we're taught about it and you can track it. But that's not really the total of what it's talking about here. It's talking about when you stop celebrating the grace of God. Any place you see the word grace in scripture, just like the word truth, you can put in Jesus. That's what this is saying. Jesus is full of grace and truth. So whenever you see the word grace, just insert Jesus. If you see truth, you can insert Jesus. I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's awfully fun to do it. And what he's saying is, if we fail the grace of God, bitterness leaks into our life. And so I have an illustration. Can we do an illustration today? If I can get this open. Yeah, we're good. So... This is a water bottle, just so you know, and um, it's good, it's good, and the vessel here is you. Now, I had my daughter help me with this illustration. How many know that fidget spinners are not the only new thing? These kids are now into slime. Have everybody, anybody made slime? It's like an inordinate amount of shaving cream and dye and... It's like, don't even make that in my house, please. It's off limits in my house. Preacher friend of <clears throat> friend of mine, he was like, his kids were making slime, and his daughter was making some red slime, and she thought the red coloring was so cool that she decided she was going to put the red food coloring in her macaroni and cheese. So she made herself a nice big bowl of red macaroni and cheese, and she was having so much fun eating. Well, about three hours later, she screams from the bathroom. <laughs> and I know this is a gathering. This is a church, so I'll be very careful what I say next. And so he's like, Dad! And he runs into the bathroom, and he's like, he's looking into the receptacle, and it's like this red glowing stool. That's the word I can use in public gatherings red glow and so like honey and then everybody runs and then all four of them are standing around the toilet staring at and like what happened and he's like i'm a man of god i'm a man of faith i know the word of god and not a single scripture came to me all i could do when i first saw it was oh god my baby girl and he's like i'll get her get her dress I'll, I'll take her we'll go to emergency urgent care i'll take her and then his wife he notices being really quiet because she's the thinker amen <laughs> And so he's like, what's going on? And he turns to his wife. He's like, why aren't you, why aren't you helping me? We got to get her out of here and get her to the hospital. And she's like, honey, did, did, you, um, did you eat any of that food coloring when you were making slime earlier? She goes, oh, yeah, I made a whole bowl of red macaroni and cheese. And she's like, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> he's like, I wanted to discipline her, but it was so funny that I just couldn't even do anything about it. I just, we just all laughed and went on with our day. Sometimes, sometimes new stuff is not necessarily a good thing. Amen. So that was a segue because of the daughter that helped me with this illustration. So I need someone to help me. Can I borrow you, Jesse? Every time you're here, I use you. I apologize for using you so much. Oh, well, that, hey, that, <laughs> hey, the blessings of the Lord helping out with the illustration. So this, I'm not sure this is going to work but we're going to try it. So you're the vessel, amen? And what we poured in is God's spirit. And God, when we celebrate, he's, 
The Bible says God, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And we are supposed to be full of grace and truth, amen? By the power of the Holy Ghost, right? We interact with God. And so when we're full of grace and truth, when we stop celebrating that and we fail the grace of God is when we stop refilling our lives on a regular basis. How many know God believes in free refills, amen? I was going to bring my little cup because we went to the Universal, not, was it Universal Studio? Yeah, we went to Universal Studios in Florida. And they say, if you buy this cup, you can come back and get free refills. Well, the cup costs like, you know, $97 in your firstborn. But when you come back, you can refill it all day long. And so when you're, when you're looking at a free refill, you're like, okay, you calculated up $20 for the cup, and then you come back, and you get slushies. How can you go wrong with a slushie in, a hot, in hot Florida? So we bought the cup, but if we never came back and got a refill, it would have been a waste of money. It would have been a colossal mistake to buy something that expensive and not refill it. And so whenever we talk about Jesus Christ helping our lives, when he comes into our life, if you start walking with God, there may be some things you have to take out of your life to walk with the Lord. And it seems like a great expense on the, fr on the front end and that there's a big price tag to pay. But I promise you, his price tag was bigger, amen? He died on that cross. And, and you can put your price tag there as well because even though it costs you something, if you just keep coming back and get refilled, and if you just keep coming back and get refilled, if you just keep coming back and saying, Lord, I know it may cost me a relationship. It may cost me my time. It may cost me some sleep to get up and pray in the morning and get the will of God for my life and so that I can walk in the destiny that God wants me to be in. I know that might cost me something, but I'm just going to keep on coming back and getting filled up and keep on coming back and getting filled up again and living in the Holy Ghost, walking in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so then the Scripture says, be careful, lest a root of bitterness, I don't think this is going to work, brother. I asked her to put around it, and she put duct tape. <laughs> so our illustration is going to be that you get emptied out in life, because I can't poke a hole. It's supposed to leak. <laughs> but what happens is life happens to us all, amen? And you start to leak. And what happens is when we start to leak, Bitterness can set in and changes to the way that we think about God because our right now might not be good. Our right now might not be a moment that we want to celebrate. And so what happens is we begin to leak because Jesus has, doesn't seem as helpful as we thought he was going to be. But really what's taking place is God is actually giving us an opportunity to come back and get refilled with grace and truth, to spend time coming back to him over and over again. And when we do that, there's a depth of relationship that takes place that you'll never get if you don't walk through some struggle and if you don't walk through some trial. If you never go through a trial, you wouldn't know God at the depth that you know him. If you don't need a, a healing in your body, you'll never know God at the depth of healer that he can be. If you've never walked through depression, you'll never know him when he steps in as your light and your fresh wind and your open door. You never know what it's like whenever you live in a relationship that you don't know how to make work and God steps in and says, I will help you. And you gather around the table pray together as a family and you say we're going to make this work come hell or high water we're going to get through this we're going to find a place where God can fill us and continue to fill us thank you brother very much I appreciate you let's thank my daughter for helping me with this illustration she wrapped this thing like a Christmas present and then she gave me a pencil to poke a hole in it I'll be talking to her later thank you love I appreciate that so that's where the people in Hebrews were at. They were like, we can, we can either get bitter. Oops, throwing stuff around. We can either get bitter or we can let this make us better. We can either spend time not celebrating what God has done anymore in our life because it was good at one point for them. And now it's gotten bad. And what's, what takes place here in the scripture is they're saying that you have to be careful because if you don't live in the grace of God, you will see bitterness leak into your life because as soon as you empty your cup of Jesus and the grace of God, something else will always fill it. And the Bible says it's going to be a bitter thing. And so I've, 
found myself at times being bitter about different things, and I found out that if I don't know how to forgive, I will only know bitterness. You're a switch back and forth. You're either a forgiving person or you're going to be a bitter person. It's just a fact. And so I celebrate the fact that he forgave me on that cross and separated me and called me out from among them and said, you have a mission for your life and I'm going to put you in a place where I can help you and lead you and guide you. And it may not be the easiest thing and there may be some right now moments when you wanted me to show up, but in, 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 in 1 Peter 3 something something, it says, <laughs> that's about as far as I could get with that scripture reference because it's not in here. It says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand and a thousand as a day how many have ever heard that preach that preaches real well until you want God to show up right now and then it's like well it could be today or it could be a thousand years from now but it'll be on God's time and guess what he's not on our timetable that's what the scripture tells us he's not on your day-to-day -day clock but if you have your life surrendered to him he will always be right on time someone can put an amen right there he'll always be right on time first John fit 1 15 through 17 it talks about proving that Jesus's grace and truth came through Jesus Christ if you throw it up there for me I would greatly appreciate it John 1 15 7 and the word no that that was the first one we're going to go John 1 15 through 17 the next verse jump down so full of grace and truth next verse John bear witness of him and cried saying this is he of whom I spake he that cometh after me is preferred before me for he was before me in other words he's saying Jesus might have been born at the same time a little bit close like six months different but he was before me go on to the next verse 16 and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace go to the next verse for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth I want to say grace and truth came by Jesus Christ there's another place in scripture in Romans 1 1 through 5 where it talks about Jesus being our grace and truth. Romans 1 through 5, it says this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. He's separated. He's got a mission which he had promised afore by his, by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Go on concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Next verse, check this out. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Next verse. And it says, by whom we have received what? Grace. We receive grace from Jesus Christ. So when we go out to get a coffee at Starbucks, we need to be talking about Jesus. When we get together at life groups, we need to be talking about Jesus because Jesus is the way we stay full of his grace. We stay full of truth. And in order to do that, what's important about that is if we don't stay full, bitterness has a place to reside in our life. And I don't want bitterness in my life. I want to be full of grace and I want to be full of truth. I want to come to church happy. How about somebody else? I want to come to church excited. I want to live for God every day and know that I have something that can change somebody's life. I don't have to help Jesus anymore. I don't have to spend my time saying Jesus isn't enough. I have to encourage somebody and give them all the, the, the resume of what Jesus can do for them. No, Jesus is enough all by himself. Just having Jesus. Why is he enough? Because he saved me from my Myself. He saved me from a life that I would have gone down, a road I would have gone down that could have destroyed my life. But instead, he walked in and said, I'll keep you if you will live life for me and I will not fail the grace and truth of God. I will spend time calling you and talking to you about Jesus. I'll spend time texting you and saying, hey, I've been talking to the Lord and I believe Jesus would share this with you and I do that all the time with some of you and I'm grateful that whenever you come to me, it's not pastor, we need to deal with this and pastor, can you handle that? But I'm grateful for the folks that walk up to me and say, hey, I want to tell you what Jesus is doing in my life. I want to share with you what Jesus is. Do you feel the atmosphere in here changing right now? You know why it's changing? Because I'm talking about Jesus. Because I'm spending time telling you about Jesus. And when we celebrate Jesus, we need to just preach Jesus full of grace and truth. Amen, somebody. Jesus Christ 
and him crucified is what the disciples said is what can change the world acts 4 33 we have great grace upon us because it was upon them and with great power i would say power dunamis the same word in acts where it says and they shall and you shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you it's talking about the holy ghost brothers and sisters then great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the lord jesus and great what grace was upon them all they understood that if your cup gets empty of grace bitterness sets in And so that's what the scripture is saying in Hebrews. Be careful, be diligent, be mindful. And then it says something crazy. It says, lest bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. One one translation says, lest there be any sexual immoral or profane person as Esau. What? Have you ever had a what moment in the Bible? Like, how does this fit in? That is exactly what I had when I read this scripture. I'm like, how is it that you go from following peace with all men and holiness without which no man or without it no man can see the Lord looking diligently to be full of the face of the grace of God so that bitterness doesn't come in. But if you let bitterness come in, many will be defiled and then lest there be any fornicators. Or profane person. He said sexual sin has a root. Sexual sin has a root of bitterness. And if you've ever met anybody, and I've met them, that have the life that has just crumbled and fallen apart because of fornication or sexual sin in their life, it started somewhere in bitterness. And so if you don't deal with bitterness, you will struggle with sexual sin, is what he's saying. Be careful for the bitterness, lest many be defiled. And then, because of that defiling, lest there be any sexually immoral, profane person as Esau. The Bible says that Esau got up from the bowl and he walked away from the birthright. I know one friend that said, if you're going to go after the bowl instead of the birthright, at least lick the bowl. I mean, at least be a good sinner if you're going to go sin. If you're just going to cast off everything and go out in the world, at least be a good sinner. But I don't know about you, but I can't be a good sinner. I've, I, I, maybe you've tried this, and I don't mean to give any glory to, to the days when I was in high school, but when I snuck out to a party at the, at the encouragement of a much older individual that I shouldn't have been, even been hanging out with anyways, amen, somebody, sometimes your environment and friends are, need to be analyzed, but snuck out to a party, and what was funny was, I lived in Alaska. You don't sneak out the back window and leave no tracks. Hello, somebody. I wasn't that smart at the moment. I was only 16, so please give me some, some, some time to have learned. But So I leave footprints all the way over to the road and get into a car with a friend, and we go to this party, and they hand me one can of beer, and I walk around with that one can of beer all night. You know why? Because I hate the taste of beer. I don't like it. I, it's just disgusting to me. So I walk around with one can of beer. I sit down. And you know what I'm doing? I'm a horrible sinner. I can't even be a good sinner. I'm ministering to some person sitting right next to me that's drinking themselves out of their mind because they have a bad situation going on. And I start sharing with them, it's going to be okay. You know what? It's going to be all right. And I start ministering and serving them. I can't even be a good sinner. (laughs) I can't even take the bowl over the birthright. And I get back and I'm like, that was a huge waste of my time. I don't even want that life. And I realized, I realized something, that there are people that are in that life that want desperately to get out of that life, but they don't know where to go to find Jesus. And the reason why there's so much grace and truth in preaching Jesus is because if the world can just find him, if they can just see him, he is a helping Jesus. He is a helping God. He can bring anybody out of anything if they just find a Savior full of grace and truth. But I'm wondering, are we celebrating truth so much we're not giving enough grace? I wonder if we're giving too much grace at times and there's no foundation of truth and doctrine. 
Because both have to be there. You need to balance, amen, somebody. The Bible says that Stephen in Acts 6 and 8 ministered full of grace and power. Full of grace and power. Acts eleven twenty two to 24, it says this. The tidings of these things from the church of Antioch. They got messaged at the church of Antioch where the Bible says they were called Christians first at Antioch because it was a multicultural church. Tidings came back to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. They're like, what is going on in Antioch? They are tearing it up out there. It's crazy. It's crazy. They got revival. They got some banging Bible studies. They got stuff going on. It's crazy. God's doing great things. And it gets back to them in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch and find out why are they calling them Christians, Christ followers, for the first time ever in history. And so he gets, he gets this on his, he packs his bags, he gets his stuff together, and he says, who, when he came and had seen the what? The grace of God. Was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, everyone say heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. If we don't live a life full of grace, knowing that Jesus is a help to us without us having to help him. We don't have to polish him up and sell him to the world. We just need to present him who he is, the true Jesus. But whenever we have that kind of life where we live full of grace and truth, then our heart will cleave unto the Lord. You will not walk away from God if you live full of grace and truth because your heart will tell you that he's helping me, he's delivering me, he's rescuing me. So what was the impetus for you to live for Jesus? What made you decide to walk with God? What made you say, you know what, I want Jesus over anything else? Maybe it was you had a relationship that you really enjoyed. Maybe you were dating somebody and they influenced you toward God. Or maybe you found this, that, that you really enjoyed reading the Bible or you really enjoyed this certain sermon series online or maybe something drew you to God. But I guess, you know, I tell you, since it alludes to it in Scripture, that it was God's Spirit that was drawing you the whole time. And as He drew you and as He helped you, you found out that you're not coming because of the blessings of God. You're not coming because of the reasons that we can sometimes list out, oh, he'll help your family and he'll help your life and, and, and you'll be blessed because of giving and you'll be blessed because of this and you'll see God move in your life and your family will stay together and there will be help and time of need and all of those different reasons. But the real impetus was because he rescued us. He rescued us, Jesse. Would you stand with me? And because he rescued us, I want to have a life group with you. I want to have a Bible study with you. I want to spend time with you. And I don't want to just talk about who's winning the Super Bowl. I'm praying that the Lord helps Kenny Brady. What is his name? <laughs> Never win another Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm hoping that the Lord will help the Packers this year. I, I, I mean, I celebrate all kinds of different things, but I don't want to talk about that more than I talk about Jesus with you. Because if we only talk about stats and statistics and things that are going on and the fish we caught and the places we went and the, par and the parties and fun and barbecue that we had, guess what? We leave out Jesus. We leave out his grace and truth. And I don't, I don't know about you, but life happens to all of us. And when, you're full, when your cup is full and you walk through a difficult place, you have your own nourishment, amen? When you refill all the time, when you come back to that altar, when you come back to that place with God and you spend your life with a full cup, you're not worried of taking a drink for a dry soul. You're not worried about coming to God in and, and your time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace, the Bible says, in your time of need. I want to close with this. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9, it talks about something very beautiful. And I want to share it with you because maybe you've been hoping that Jesus helps you out of some things that you've been struggling with and you haven't got there yet. 
You're wondering, is this going to work? Is this really going to work? Is, is God going to deal with this issue? There's an issue that Paul had. If you put it up there, he's asking God about. And he asked God, he lobbied him three different times, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. It says this. It says, For if there be first a willing mind, and the accepted and accepted according to a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Go on to the next verse. For I mean not that others men eased their burden. This is supposed to be, I believe, First Corinthians. No, you're in. Uh, I'm sorry, you're in Second Corinthians eight thirteen. I need Second Corinthians twelve eight through nine. Thank you very much. And I'll tell you the story. Just the background is Paul had some sort of affliction in his flesh. They believe it was in his eyes, but he had an affliction in his flesh. And he asked the Lord to take it away. Think about that. Paul, who wrote the, a third of the New Testament, it's kind of a problem, isn't it? You can't see, and you're writing that much of the Word of God. So he sought God. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Watch this. And he said, stay with me just a little bit longer. I know I'm I'm preaching, but stay with me right here. And he said unto me, my grace is what? If you keep a full cup, you won't worry about the right now need because the cup of grace and truth will satisfy you. It'll be sufficient for you. Even when it's not working out, even when it's not going right, I know this, I can preach to you that his grace is sufficient for you. Amen. His grace is sufficient for me. My strength is made perfect in what? In weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That statement right there helps me sleep at night. That second part of the red statement, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Anybody ever made a dumb mistake? Anybody ever had some weakness? God said, at my right hand is power. I have all power as God. But my power has no outlet, no place to work and show itself strong. Except for one place, when we let him work in our weakness. In other words, he says, when my strength finds your weakness, it finds its own perfection. Oh, that's so good. I could stay up all night on that word. Just celebrating the fact that even when I get it wrong, God shows up and touches me with his grace. Amen, somebody. And his power. And I know even in my weakness, he is strong. And when everybody looks around and says, you're struggling right there. Oh, look at that. There's a right now moment where he needed Jesus. Why isn't Jesus helping him? I don't have to try to prop up my Jesus. I don't have to try to make him look better to the world because he didn't show up on my timetable. All I have to do is live full of grace and truth and say, yeah, it's hot out. Yeah, life happens, but so it's all good. It's all good. And his grace is made perfect. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. How is it made perfect? Last thing. Because when people look at my life and say, how did you get there from where you came from? They know that I didn't get there on my own strength. I didn't put on a suit and stand in a pulpit because I thought it was a good idea. I got here because his strength was made perfect in my weakness. Same for you, same for you, same for you, Lisi, same for you, for all of us. I want us to live full of grace and truth. And then we know, regardless of what happens, Jesus is my help and my comfort. Amen. Bow your heads with me, Jesus. If there's a weakness, if there's a struggle, if there's something in this room in a heart right now, where they've thought, maybe it's not working, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just cash in, maybe I'll just give it up, maybe I'll stop doing what I thought would work, but it just doesn't have, 
the power to work it seems. I, I prayed the prayers, I fasted the meals, but I'm still dealing with that lost child. I'm still dealing with that situation. I'm still having to see things that I wish God would have changed already. Somebody in this room has a real situation today. They have a right now moment. And God, I pray that your grace would flood over it, that they would know to run boldly to the throne of grace in their time of need. And that in doing so, their heart would always cleave to you, Jesus. I open this altar in Jesus' name for anybody that needs strength. Would you like for God to make perfect in you what his word says? Is there anybody that would like to come and pray? I'm going to open, come forward and let's pray and let's seek God. Let's Let's find a knee and pray and seek the Lord. Let's take any weaknesses that have been plaguing our hearts. Maybe there's something that you just can't quite get over in the night and maybe you stay up at night and you think about it or it runs through and replays its way through your mind on a regular basis and you say, Jesus, I've already given this to you. I've already surrendered this situation. Why do I feel like I need to worry about it right now in this moment? God's going to fill you full of grace and truth. He's going to let you experience a real Jesus in a real moment right now in Jesus' name. Fill us, Lord, and help us today. In Jesus' name. Let your strength be made perfect in somebody right now. In Jesus' name. 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 We celebrate Jesus. Come on, lift a hand toward heaven. Just celebrate your Savior. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus on that situation. All you need is Jesus right now. Remind your Savior, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm sorry if I got a little sideways, but I'm thankful for breath. I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful I'm here this morning. I'm thankful I have joy and I can reach for you, oh God. I'm thankful that I have a place to take my weakness. I'm thankful that I have a place to take my struggle. And in that struggle and in that weakness, you make me strong. Thank you, God. 